And today, we finish out our Daniel series with what is probably the most famous story about Daniel in the Bible. Daniel in the light. But for us, I believe the message comes more outside the lion's den than inside the lion's den. Remember last week, we saw the character of Daniel as he chose to continue to pray to God in spite of the edict that was handed down by the king. We saw as his enemies decided that they, in order to catch him, were going to trick the king into making a law they knew he would break because it dealt with his God so he would do something wrong. We saw that the most important relationship we could have is with God. And that nothing should come in between that relationship. And so this week, we're going to pick up right where we left off there in Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to start there in verse 11. And it says in verse 11, Then these men went as a group and found Daniel petitioning and imploring his God. So they approached the king and asked about his edict. Didn't you sign an edict that for 30 days any man who petitions any god or man except you, the king, will be thrown in the lion's den? The king answered, As a law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands and is irrevocable. Then they replied to the king, Daniel, one of the Judean exiles, has ignored you, the king, and the edict you signed, for he prays three times a day. As soon as the king heard this, he was very displeased. He set his mind on rescuing Daniel and made every effort until sundown to deliver him. Then these men went to the king and said to him, You, as a king, know it is the law of the Medes and Persians that no edict or ordinance the king establishes can be changed. So the king gave the order. And they brought Daniel and threw him in the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and the signet rings of his nobles, so that nothing in regard to Daniel could be changed. Then the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No diversions were brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he reached the den, he cried out in anguish to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, the king said, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke with the king. May the king live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth. They haven't hurt me, for I was found innocent before him. Also, I have not committed a crime against you, my king. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to take Daniel out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den, uninjured, for he trusted in his God. The king then gave the command, and those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. They, their children, and their wives. They had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to those of every people, nation, and language who live in all the earth, May your prosperity abound. I issue a decree that in all my royal dominion, people must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, and he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He rescues and delivers. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth, for he has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let's pray. 
Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we thank you for this account here in your word. We thank you for the truth that it contains. And Father, we pray this morning that you would show us that truth. Father, use me as a vessel this morning. May the words that I speak be yours. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for his sake. All God's people said. Amen. Amen. I heard an old preacher one time call the people involved in this text the good, the bad, and the indifferent. I have a little bit different labels. It's virtually the same. But they each speak to these groups with us today. The labels are the good, the bad, and the self-absorbed. I believe each of us is probably at some point in our lives each of these labels. This morning I want to examine each label and what they mean in our lives. First you have the good. That's Daniel. The good are those who are living within the will of God. Those people who are clearly living their lives doing the things that God has called them to. That is the good. And as we read through Daniel and we see what happened to Daniel here, we find a few things. We find out that when you live a life within the will of God, God will provide allies for you in unlikely places. This story probably shouldn't have gone like this. This is the king. But the king is Daniel's ally here. The king is someone who, who has a heart for Daniel. He wants to talk to Daniel. He wants to be there for Daniel. The king wanted to save Daniel. He spent his entire day looking for a way to overturn this. Because I don't want to put Daniel, my trusted advisor, who has a different spirit like we learned last week. I don't want to put him in the lion's den. I want to find a way not to have to do this. And so in his plight, Daniel wasn't totally alone. The king supported him. If you notice, this king, who isn't even a follower of God, when he puts Daniel in the pit and closes the stone, he prays. What does he say? May your God, whom you serve, continually rescue you. That's a prayer. This unbeliever is praying to God in the midst of this because he is following Daniel and he is one of Daniel's allies. When we live our lives in God's will, we're never alone in any situation. God will provide allies that we never expected. There will be people there to help us and to take care of us and to stand up for us when we never thought we would have that person to stand up for us. You know, I, uh, I remember a, a time in a church where we had a need and there was no money for, for the need. And there was, a, there was a person in the church who I didn't think liked me very much. Because, you know, I'm not that likable. So they didn't like me at all. I mean, I didn't feel like they liked me at all. I kept thinking, oh. And every time, every time I would go visit, I would, I would get nervous and I would tense up and all those things. And when I brought the need up to the church, I received a phone call that week from that person who gave every bit of the money we needed for that need. And then proceeded to talk to me about how much she liked it. It was a she. I shouldn't have said that. I was trying to put that out. But it was amazing to me. Because I had an ally that I didn't know that I had. God does that. When we're in God's will, God gives us allies we never expected. He gives us people who will stand up for us that probably shouldn't. How often do we see that throughout Scripture? Where we see kings who actually...
actually serve foreign gods, standing up for the people of God. And here, in the midst of the lion's den, he sent an angel to close the mouths of the lion. If you read some of the extra-biblical Jewish literature, there's a story about Daniel in the lion's den that a lot of the extra-biblical texts will place right here around this because God came to Habakkuk. We have a book of Habakkuk, right? He's a prophet. In the extra-Jewish literature, Habakkuk is making some stew. And God says, take that stew to Babylon. Habakkuk's in Judea. And he's like, God, I'm in Judea. I'm not going to Babylon with my stew. And God picks him up by the hair of the head and sets him down on top of the pit. And Habakkuk comes and brings some stew to Daniel. Weird story, right? It's extra. It's one of those extra Jewish things they throw out there as, as their tradition that we don't think is Scripture. But it shows this idea of God giving us unlikely allies, people we would never imagine. Because the Jewish people believe so strongly that this might have happened, that they, that they call this as one of their traditions. It's a very strange thing. But when we find that out, when we live in God's will, we're given those allies. But also when we live in God's will, we can be vessels of His glory. That's the amazing thing here. When we look at this story, the big story isn't that Daniel was saved. That's how we paint it, right? We paint it that, oh my goodness, Daniel was saved. When we tell it in Sunday school to kids, it's this great story about how Daniel went to the lion's den and he came out and woo, God was glorified. But, but that's the truth. The, the, the truth here isn't that Daniel was saved. He was a man like any other man. The purpose of this miracle was not simply to spare Daniel's life. It wasn't that Daniel was that special. The purpose of this miracle was to bring glory to God. That's why God did it. God did it not because, oh, Daniel's so much more special than everybody else. He did it because he wanted to bring glory to himself in this certain situation. God doesn't promise that we're always going to be physically saved. When Daniel prayed, he didn't know if God was going to shut the lion's mouths or not. He went ahead and prayed. We're not promised that we're always going to be saved physically. We're not promised that those things are just going to go away. What he does promise is that we can be used to bring him glory and to further the kingdom. A few weeks ago, we talked about the fact that Peter was saved from prison, but yet Stephen was stoned to death. One lived, the other died, but they both brought glory to God. God chooses those decisions. It's not for us to know the ins and the outs of why God saves some and not others. How many of us spend way too much time crying out to God because we don't understand why they took our loved one but saved someone else's. We spend so much time doing that. We agonize over it. Why is it that they got to keep their mom and I didn't? Why is that? I don't know. It's not up to me to know. What I do know is that God can use all things for His glory. And God did when it comes to my mom, that was one of my first things. I was so upset because in my life, if you look at my life, I was told by a professor in seminary that I should really write a book about my life because there's so much soap opera drama in it. There's so many shades and variations. And he was like, I, I can't keep up because every week there was something else. But when I went to the funeral of my mother and I heard the guy from the nursing home who, that's the church she went to, was the nursing home church. Preach her funeral sermon 
and talked about how she had spent all of her Sundays bringing joy to the lives of people in the nursing home because she would spend her day visiting them. It blew me away. It gave me a gift that I never expected. Because when we surrender to God and we're in His will, we can be used as vessels of His glory. We're created to be God's vessels. It's not for us to ask why someone died, but how's it going to be used? What's God going to do with this? Because God's always going to do something with it. We're promised that God will use us for His purposes. And then, so that's, that's the good of Daniel. Then you have the bad, his enemies. These are the people who are outside the will of God. And, and Daniel's enemies, they've got a problem. They've got a real problem. And the problems are simple. They're jealous. They're jealous of Daniel. They didn't like that he was being blessed and they weren't. You know, when we're outside the will of God, we're slaves to our emotions. They're jealous. We're Babylonian. We should be in charge. We should be on top. I can't believe this Hebrew who doesn't even serve the gods that the, that the king serves. I can't believe he's being given the top honors. I can't believe he's being blessed that way. And so how they're going to react, they're going to find some way to ruin Daniel. How often do we find ourselves in these situations? We get jealous over what somebody else has. You know, Facebook is both a wonderful ministry tool and the world's biggest curse at the same time. Because you can see blessing upon blessing on somebody on Facebook and wonder why they're getting And if you let yourself get in that hole and let yourself focus on that and let your emotions get overrun, you can begin to, to ask why. You begin to wonder why you weren't blessed that way. Well, why don't I have that? I do the same things. We try to find our, our ways to ways to lift ourselves up, if not bring the other person back. Right? Well, look at what I can do. Or, as they did to Daniel, let's bring him down. Let's get him. Let's, let's just take him out. He's not going to break the rules. Let's make a rule we'll know he'll break, so we can take him out, and he'll no longer be a problem. He'll no longer. We were slaves to our emotions. When we're bound to our emotions, we ride this roller coaster. Because of the because instead of the consistency that comes with living a life in Jesus, we're outside his will and our emotions begin to control us. <laughs> it's not popular to say that faith isn't about emotion. <laughs> but it's not. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Faith isn't about emotion. Faith is about a quiet belief. Knowing that something is. I don't, I don't, have, to, I don't have to feel it. I have to know it. I have to know that, that Jesus is the Christ. I have to know that He walked the earth. I have to know that He died on the cross. I have to know that He rose again three days later. And I have to know that His promises are true. Now, if I know those things and it brings emotion, that's one thing. But if we're tossed about by emotion, we find ourselves riding a roller coaster, and that's not of God. Riding a roller coaster isn't of God. Not right. Riding a roller coaster of emotion isn't of God. Roller 
coasters may be amazing things that God gave us, but riding the roller coaster of emotion is not of God because God doesn't want us to like this. Because when we're like this, we're no good to anybody. Because what happens? We get up here and we're happy. Everybody wants to be around us. And then we get down here and, oh my gosh, I don't want to be another person at all. And that usually happens when? When we're outside the will of God. Because we find ourselves slave to our emotions. Our emotions begin to control us. But also when we're outside the will of God, we're going to be our own downfall. We can't get Daniel to break the law. So we'll make the law. That will break Daniel. But when the plot didn't work out the way they wanted it to work out, and Daniel was saved from the lion's den, what happened? <laughs> they, their children, and their wives were thrown in the lion's den. They became their own downfall. They made a choice to attack someone else, and it brought them down. It brought them down and put them and destroyed them. It didn't just destroy them, it destroyed their children. Oh, man, it's bad. I don't have time to chase that rabbit, but I really want to. Oh, my goodness. When we are outside the will of God, we can be our own downfall, but not only our downfall, but we can have repercussions that follow through generations. We can do things that our kids are going to be paying for, especially in little small towns. Mm. Oh, I know. I went to the metro, but that's okay. Because that's what happens, right? That's old so-and-so's kid. And so-and-so made this mistake, and their kid, who, who cares? Their kid. It's not them. Here's the deal about Proverbs, and I think I say it every year when we get to it in our Bible readings. Proverbs are the rule, but there's always exceptions to the rule. Proverbs is the standard by which we, we weigh things, because most of the time it's going to happen that way. But guess what? Sometimes you can raise a child the way it's going to go, and they're still going to end up wild and do what they want to do. And it's not the parent's fault. It's a fallen world that we live in who begins to infiltrate their minds and take them where they don't want to be. That's what happens. But when we find ourselves on the will of God, we become our own downfall. When we're working to bring somebody else down, we're in danger of ourselves being brought down. And when we're not following God, we're our own worst enemy. Sooner or later, we're going to be our destruction. People always say, well, why would a, this is the argument, why would a good God send people to hell? He doesn't send anybody to hell. They choose to go there. Because here's the deal. God's not going to force on you something that you didn't want. God's a gentleman. You know, it's funny because I'm not going to get, this isn't political. But I find it interesting that we've had the, the Me Too movement that happened so much. And most of the people who follow the Me Too movement have been attacking God, but yet God the whole time is the actual gentleman they've been asking for. Because God doesn't force anything on anybody. Not even heaven. God doesn't choose to send us to hell. We, we've chosen not to follow Him. We make that choice and we say, well, God puts it before us and we either accept or we don't. It's the bad. It's self-absorbed as the king. He's still outside the will of God. But he's outside the will of God because he becomes his own God. 
He's become his own God, right? Because of who he is and the flattery of those around him, he thinks his words are the most important thing in the world. Because he is given an edict, and he is the king. It can't be broken. Can you imagine that? Do you see the pride in that? I'm the king, and I've said it, therefore it has to be done. That's self-importance. And those self-importance of his own words puts him in a bad spot, right? Because they come to him and they even trick the king. They trick him into making the law. He makes the law. And then they go to Daniel's house to peek in the windows to catch him praying. And then they go to the king and they say, Oh, king, um, uh, didn't you say that nobody could pray to anybody except for you for 30 days? And the king, of course, wanted he puffs up, and what does he say there? He says, as a law of the Medes and Persians, the order stands in his And then they say, well, Daniel has broken that law. He was so self-absorbed with his own words that it came back and body. He's in a pickle. He searches all day for a way to break this, but he can't. When we become our own God, we find ourselves in bad situations of our own making. The king could have kept this from happening simply by not making it needed. But he gave into the flattery in his own self, self, sense of self-worth. So many times we fall prey to those same demons. We're flattered, or we flatter ourselves, and we do and say things that we ultimately regret. Regret it. In our flattery, we become our God, and when you're only God, you're outside the will of God. You can't be your own God and be in the will of God. If you're your own God, you're outside the will of God. And when you're outside the will of God, nothing can bring you to grace. When you're outside God's will, nothing's going to bring you true peace. Ever. You know, there are, there are lots of people who sit in churches across the world, and especially across this nation, who don't have true peace. Because they're coming to church because they were told they were always supposed to come to church, but they're not in the will of God. And so something is unsettled inside, and they can't figure it out. Nothing's going to bring you true peace. The, the king looked all day long for a way to get Daniel out of this, and he couldn't. So all night he was up fasting, and no diversions were brought to him. They weren't going to come into him for anything. They weren't going to say, hey, king, let's play a game. Here, do you want me to bring a woman to you? There was nothing like that going on. The king stayed by himself. I mean, he should have had, he's a king. He can have whatever he wanted. But he had nothing that night because he was so at war within himself. And I'm sure his servants were alarmed because nothing was happening. But Darius was outside the will of God and he had acted against the servant of God and he was tormented. He was tormented. Have you ever been in that situation where you've done something totally outside the will of God and you found yourself waiting in agony to see the results? He just kept waiting and going, oh my goodness. I know the hammer's going to fall. I know he's going to come get me. I know the lightning's going to strike. I, I know I know he's out for me. You ever been there? Because it's so easy when we get outside of God's will to do stuff and you can't be comforted because we know God is God. I mean, we sang about it a while ago, right? He's not going to do things that he's not that he's not known for. He's, he's God. And the truth of the matter is, we focus a lot on the God of the New Testament when we're in a good spot. But when we're in the bad spot, we turn back to the Old Testament. 
the thunder and lightning and fire and striking them down and the earth opening up. And we start imagining that because I'm outside of God's will. So I must be those people in Exodus where the, where the ground opened up and they fell in, even their whole family. Man, I'm in trouble. That's where Darius was. Man, I, I've been there in my life. God's going to get me. He's after me. I can't go back to church. The roof is going to fall in. Anybody heard me say that before? The roof will fall in the Bible of the church. I was that person at one time in my life. I can't go in there. If I go in there, the whole thing's going to collapse because I know where I've been. And I'm not in God's will. Nothing will bring you comfort when you're outside the will of God. You might toss, you might turn on the TV, flip the TV, pace the floor, raid the refrigerator, but nothing is going to bring you comfort when you're outside His will. Notice the next morning, He gets up and He runs to the den. And He says, Daniel! It's just a big stone. Did the God that you serve continually, did He save you? Daniel was like, dude, chill. I'm here, King. He closed the mouth of the lines. I haven't sinned against God. I didn't sin against you either. Man. Imagine the peace that rushed over him. Because when the self-absorbed vessel comes face to face with the glory of the living God, change occurs. Can you imagine Darius's night and then that morning? His most trusted advisor has been thrown into the lion's den all because he was praying. He knew Daniel prayed. That's who Daniel was. And he knew that's what was going on. He knew it was going to happen. He understood. And so all that long he tossed and he turned and he paced the floor and he fasted and he wouldn't eat and he wouldn't do the things he normally did. And he didn't know what to do. And at first thought, man, he ran down there. And when Daniel said, chill out, King. Man, take that stone off. Get him out of there. Get him out of there. When the king saw that Daniel was spared, he made the law that people should tremble before God. Man. For he is the living God. And he endures forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. I read an article this week that said Christianity is dying in America. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his dominion has no end. If the king of Babylon will make that statement because when he came face to face with the glory of God, how much more should those of us who we're living what we call a Christian nation, say, I don't buy that. I'm going to be the change this world needs, and I'm going to take the glory of God to those who need it and bring them into salvation because they need Jesus. When we who think we're everything come face to face with Him who is everything, the miraculous happens. Man, can you imagine do you remember when you came face to face with Jesus for the first time? Because it's funny, in our human minds, we judge the level of miraculousness, don't we? Well, she's been coming to church since she was nine months before she was born. 
So her conversion might not be as good as the other person's. But you know what? We're all sinful vessels. We're all marred with sin. And we all have to come to the point where we realize that we need Him. In every part, the glory comes. It doesn't matter if you were raised in church or you didn't come until after you had lived a life that was so hard that most people couldn't endure it. The glory of God is still there. And the salvation is still the same. That's what happens when us, we who are self-absorbed, come face to face with the living God. Things change. People who are chained to alcoholism or drugs or anything else, those chains can be broken and new life can come. People who, who can't help but tell lies all the time, boom, that can change. It doesn't matter who your family was. It doesn't matter who you used to be. When we come face to face with the living God, we are a new creation. I have one final thought. What you do before the pit determines what you get inside the pit. Daniel was prayed up when he went in. Daniel didn't wait until he was being dropped in and he went, oh no, there's lions to start praying to God. Daniel was always praying to God. What we do before we go into bad situations will determine what happens when we're in those situations. If we live our life like God's not there and He's just something that we sing about on Sunday morning, bad situations are going to be tough. They're going to be tough. And we're going to get upset and we're going to ride that roller coaster because guess what? We're not in the will of God and our emotions are going to control us and we're not going to be able to handle it. But if we are like Daniel and we are prayed up, praised up, when we're thrown into the pit, one black friend of mine said one time, there's no doubt I'm coming out. Maybe this morning, You've been in the midst of a struggle. Maybe you're in the pit. Maybe you hear the lions growling. Cry out to God. Maybe this morning, you've been in the will of God and you feel alone. Look up. I promise you there are allies somewhere, probably in the most unlikely of places. Maybe this morning you've been outside the will of God. Maybe you find yourself tossed back and forth by emotion. You know, not just in Daniel, it's talked about in the epistles that you're tossed to and fro like a baby Christian. If you're tossed back and forth, you're probably not standing in the will of God. Stand firm in the faith. Trust in what He says. And I promise you, you will not be let down because His promises are true. Maybe this morning... Maybe you're not in the pit, but you see the pit coming. Maybe you see it coming. What you do before the pit will determine what you get inside the pit. Prepare now. 
fall on your knees before God and cry out and allow Him to work in a real way. Don't do it on your own. Don't hold things back. Because when you hold things back, He's not working. You know, it doesn't do any good to say, God, I'll give you all of this, but I'm going to keep this because He wants all of this. Because it's all tied together. You ever played Jenga? They're all tied together. And they begin to wobble when you take things out. He needs all of it. He wants you to be whole. Maybe this one you want to pray. The altar's open. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to serve the missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church in membership. Maybe this morning you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you're taking a step to say, I want to know Jesus. Now's the time to do it. You walk down and say, Brother Troy, I want to know Jesus. And we will go from there. It's not all. Maybe this morning you made a decision to follow Jesus, but you've never taken that step to be baptized. And you want to talk about baptism. Come down the aisle. We'll talk about baptism. We'll let you get up there and show everybody that you have decided to follow Jesus. But wherever you're at this morning, whatever you need, give it to Him. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings.